Daniel chapter number six. I'm going to commence reading with verse one, and I'm going to conclude with verse five. So Daniel chapter number six, commencing with verse number one. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps or princes to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit, spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Going back to verse four again. So the governors and the princes sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we should not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. By the power of the Holy Spirit and certainly with the aid of your prayers, I'm going to preach briefly this morning from the subject, behave how you believe. Behave how you believe. Take your seats and pray along with me. Our Father and our God, in the immaculate name of your Son, Christ Jesus. Father God, it is preaching time and your servant needs the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. It is always his prayer, Father God, that the words that will come forth from his mouth will be used for our education, edification, but most of all, your exaltation. It is also his prayer, Father God, that the words that will come forth from his mouth will move someone closer in their relationship with you. Right now, Father God, I pray that you would bring all things back to my remembrance right now, Father God. I pray, Father God, that you would just simply write on my tongue the things that you will have me to say this morning concerning this message. Father God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in that sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Behave, 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 behave how you believe. Behave how you believe. Daniel, Daniel was taken captive. Daniel was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, I should say Daniel, not only Daniel, but Daniel along with others 
of the southern kingdom of Judah was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they were in captivity for a very, very long time. But because of the events that occurred in Daniel chapter 2, more specifically Daniel interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel was provided a, a position of prominence in, in King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, a position of prominence he received by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so ironic about uh, one of the things I found interesting about the book of Daniel was that usually when there's a transition in leadership, the new leader wants to bring in his or her own people, so to speak. That's not uncommon today. When, when there's a transition in leadership, the new leader or the new president, the new governor, per se, the new president wants to, wants to bring in his or her own people. But one of the interesting things that occurred in Daniel is that when there was a transition in leadership, in other words, when the Persians defeated the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar was succeeded by King Darius. Well, King Darius also placed uh, Daniel in a position of prominence in, in his kingdom. And if you were to study the book of Daniel, the first seven, let me see, yeah, first six, the first six chapters of, by half of the book, because it's 12 chapters, the first six chapters of Daniel, you'll find Daniel talking about how God delivered him and his friends and exalted him and his friends during this particular period of time, or should I say the first six chapters. He talks about how God delivered them. But the seven through 12, or chapter seven through 12, you'll discover Daniel talking about visions. So the first six chapters are really about vindications, vindications, and the last six chapters of Daniel are about or discuss visions. So visions and vindications, or vindications, the first chapters one through six, and then visions chapters seven through 12. So what Daniel's ministry was really, really about, Daniel's ministry was about testifying through his personal life and through prophecies about the power of God. Let me say that again. The book of Daniel can be summarized through Daniel's testimony by way of his personal life and his prophecy related to the power of God, related to the power of God. That's Daniel, the books of Daniel or the chapters of Daniel in a nutshell. So as your outline indicates, the author is Daniel. The audience, it was written, this book was written to both Jews and Gentiles. And lastly, the aim is the prophecy and power of God. To demonstrate the prophecy and power of God. As always, I like to encourage you during your time, study, and devotion to God's word to go back and read the chapters that we preach from, that we teach from. In doing so, if you were to go back and read Daniel chapter 6, I believe you'll discover that this particular chapter can be better understood when it is broken down into five separate and distinct subsections. So on your outline, you'll discover, number one, under the breakdown of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, you'll discover the position of Daniel, the position of Daniel. That's Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. 
So Daniel was in a position of authority. In fact, Daniel was, there were, there were 120 princes. There were 120 princes that the scripture tells us. There was 120 princes, and then there were three governors, so to speak, over those princes. And, and Daniel was the one that was placed in charge of all of those people. But we'll get to that in just a moment. So that's the position of Daniel in Daniel 6, 1 through 3. But in Daniel 6, 4 through 9, you'll discover the plot against Daniel, the plot against Daniel. And so we're going to really deal with, with 2 and 3 under the breakdown of Daniel chapter 6. We're going to deal with the plot against Daniel, Daniel 6, 4 through 9. And then we're going to also deal with the prayer of Daniel. And really next week, we're going to really delve into the prayer of Daniel in the message entitled The Practice of Prayer. But number two, the plot against Daniel. So Daniel had some haters. Daniel had some haters. So those, uh, those, those, other, those people that he, he was placed in charge of, they, they didn't like the fact that, that Daniel was chosen, chosen for that role. So first we have the position of Daniel. Then we discover the plot against Daniel. Number three, we have the prayer of Daniel. But number four, we have the prosecution of Daniel. The prosecution of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. So these, these so-called haters, these so-called haters or advisors of King Darius tricked him into prosecuting Daniel by throwing him into the lion's den. So we have the position of Daniel, the plot against Daniel, the prayer of Daniel, the prosecution of Daniel, and lastly, the protection, the protection of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, verses 18 through 28. And we know the story there, God uses an angel. An angel shuts up the mouth of the lion or lions so that uh, Daniel is is protected. Daniel is protected. So that is the breakdown of Daniel chapter 6. In preparing this message, I thought about the late, great Barry White. Y'all know who Barry White is? If y'all don't know who Barry White is, y'all better ask somebody, as they say. In fact, Barry White is, is has, the, the rumor about Barry White is that he's responsible for a boom in the population. Maybe y'all will get that. If y'all too spiritual if y'all don't get that. But the late great Barry White wrote a song called Practice What You Preach. Y'all remember that song? Practice What You Preach. This is what Barry White says. A few verses of that song. Barry White says, Cause you keep telling me this and telling me that. You once, you say once I'm with you, I'll never go back. You say there's a lesson that you want to teach. Well, here I am, baby. Practice what you preach. You know what Barry White was really saying in that song? Barry White was really saying that our actions should reflect those things that we talk about. Now, Pastor Nehemiah might say it a different way. Pastor Nehemiah would say there should be a connection between what you believe and how you behave. I'm going to say that again. Barry White would say that, that there, there should be some actions that should support the things that we say or you say or that a person says. Well, Nehemiah would say that there should be a connection 
to what we believe and how we behave. Jesus Christ had a take on that. Let me share with you what Jesus Christ says in Matthew 12, 33 through 35. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the treasure brings forth evil things. So what Jesus is saying here is whatever is in the heart eventually comes out of the mouth. Now, our, our, I believe our, our family members used to kind of say that in a different way. But this is what they were alluding to. What is on the inside will eventually come out. Right. What's on the inside eventually shows up on the outside. So the question is, what are you practicing? What are you preaching? And what are you producing? What are you practicing? What are you preaching? And what are you producing? That is a question that you and I shall constantly be asking ourselves every single day. What are we practicing? What are we preaching? And then what are we producing? The fact of the matter is nobody will mistake a orange having come from an apple tree. Nobody will mistake an orange, an orange having fallen from an apple tree. A coach once told a story, a very, very successful coach told a story. He told a story about how one of his players showed up in his office and one of the players was, was really, really excited and he says, uh, coach, I am going to be a doctor. I'm planning to be a doctor. And the coach looked at him and said, no, you are not planning to be a doctor because you were out drinking last night. You're not practicing or planning to be a doctor. You are practicing and planning to be a drunk. So I want you all, my brothers and sisters, to think about each and every day. Think about each and every day the perceptions that you are putting forth in your daily life. It could be at work. It could be in your conversation. It could be on social media. Whatever it is, you need to understand that we should behave the way we believe. So in other words, we need to look like we have been set aside or set apart. We need to look like we are the salt of the earth. As Christians, we are called out of the world. We are called out of the world. In other words, we should have a certain amount of standards. So we need to watch very, very closely the perceptions that we put forth from a public standpoint. So, so you can't be, you can't declare or say that you are a minister and you're popping bottles publicly. That, that just does not, that, that's, that's, that's confusing. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not 
talking about people that have strongholds, because the truth be told, we all have strongholds. But there's a manner in which we should deal with our strongholds. I don't think it's necessarily, uh, I don't think it's necessary to, to, to put forth all of our strongholds holds from, a, from a public standpoint. And, and, certainly if you, and certainly if you call to be a, a leader, called to be a, a minister of the gospel, there, there's just certain things that you cannot do publicly. You cannot, you, okay, if you do certain things publicly, please, please, please let it be involuntarily. Don't, by all means, voluntarily put forth your, your shortcomings and your, and your strongholds because it sends the wrong message. And we don't want to be, as Christians, stumbling blocks for those people who we will call babes in Christ. There are many people that we are trying to introduce to this gospel that we know leads to an abundant life. But we don't want to be confused with people who, who are doing ungodly ungodly things. So we have to be very, very careful with respect to the perceptions, the perceptions that we put forth from a public standpoint, or even, even, even if it's not something that is, that is placed on social media, but just in your, in, in your daily walk. I, I need to be careful. My wife always talks to me, so I can talk about myself. I can talk about myself. She always talks to me about the tone that I use oftentimes. So, so I have to be careful. I have to be careful that, that, that I monitor or watch, or watch my, my tone because if, I, if, I'm, if we're out and I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at my wife or something like that, then people are going to be like, ain't that that pastor? What kind of, you know, so we want to be, we want to be mindful. We want to be mindful of, of that. So Daniel Daniel, in this story, Daniel provides a great example of someone who behaved how he believed. This story provides a great example of how to behave how you believe. So the story starts out in Daniel 6, where we only read the first five verses. We know Daniel to have found favor. I kind of shared that with you. He sort of found favor with this new Persian Persian government. The, you know, he sort of, if you go back to Daniel chapter 3, you read about King Nebuchadnezzar. Now we're talking about King, King Darius. And so then King Darius puts, puts Daniel in charge of all of the princes and all of the governors. And I said that Daniel has some haters. So what the haters do, they come up with this plan. But if you read closely, one of the things that I like about this story or the, the, the title of this message, sort of, when I read Daniel 1 through 5, the title of this message sort of, sort of jumped out at me or sort of was placed in my spirit, and I thought it was very, very fitting. And our key verses were verses 4 and verse 5. So they plot, they set up this plot to have Daniel thrown into the lion's den or or. Essentially what happened was that, I mean, more specifically, they went to the king and had the king sign off on a decree that essentially that, that, that basically said that if anybody, 
is called worshiping. Nobody need to be worshiping no God but him. They only need to be worshiping the, worshiping the king for 30 days. That's what happened. That's essentially what happened. So they, so the, the, the king, King Darius, signs this decree. So, so what they do, what they do, and this is profound, and we, you, you'll see it here in scripture. So what they do, they, they realize, they know about Daniel. They know what he does. And so they find him praying, and then they, they, they let the king know. And so the king, the king decides to go ahead and throw Daniel into the lion's den. So, he has, so Daniel has these haters. But the haters say this. The governors, and I call them haters, the governors, the satraps, the governors, or presidents, some, some versions may say presidents, some versions may say princes as it relates to the, the satraps, sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault. The haters could not find no charge or fault because he was what? He was faithful. Nor was there any error of fault found in him. We shall not find any charge against this Daniel, and then of course they sort of flipped it and say, unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So that's the way you and I should be, brothers and sisters. We we should be. We're we're imperfect people. However, nobody should mistake us for not being who we are, and that is that is that is Christians. So that may mean us taking a stand. I mean, quite honestly. Quite honestly, there's some places that you and I just can't go anymore. Because why? Because we don't want to be confused with respect to what we, what we believe. In other words, I'm not saying that we're not around people. We always have, have friends and we have family that are not saved, that have not accept, accepted Christ. But we can't be just... We can't, there's just certain things we, we can't do. So George Bush, I, the young, I, I get him confused, the, the young Bush, President Bush, said something profound. I mean, he, so he sort of talked about the advice that he always gives people. And one of the things was that he, he said, you know, save at least 25% of your money, some, something to that effect. It was, you know, a good, a good percentage of your money. But he says, he said this, he says, never be caught allowing someone to take a picture of you with a drink in your hand. Now, I thought that was profound because, see, we got it all twisted. The world has it all twisted. When people fall short, we think the world would have you believe that we cannot learn from them. But I would argue that the best people to learn from are the people who have made some type of mistake. And the truth be told, the people that we're studying in the Bible, none of them are perfect. They're all imperfect people. And Jesus has, has set this process of learning about him. He uses imperfect people to, to teach us lessons to, to learn about. So, so I, I know personally, I personally, I... If somebody's taking a picture of me, I don't care if I got bottled water. Of course, I don't have no, 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 no alcohol and no drink. But I'm just saying that is, that is, a, that is great wisdom that President Bush uh, provides to people. And he ought to know better than, better than anybody. But it's, it's, great, it's great advice. People will scoff at that, but that's, that's great advice. And I can tell you from an attorney standpoint, 
it is great advice. You know how many people get locked up for, for, for DUIs or get charges because one of the first things that, that when there's an investigation, the first things that, that the prosecutors do is they go to social media and they start finding things out about what was going on. That's how they put the pieces of the puzzle together in a lot of ways. So no, absolutely not. You should not be caught allowing anybody to take a picture of you with something in your hand. So Daniel is thrown into the lion's den and of course ultimately he is spared or protected. So lastly, I want to talk about behave how you believe. There are two profound things that I want to point out to you in scripture from Daniel 6 and 4, Daniel 6 and 10, and then Daniel 6, 11 and 6, 16. So number one on your outline under behave how you believe. Number one, when you behave how you believe, you are, number one, you are faithful. Faithful. That is obvious. Daniel 6 and 4 says the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they can find no charge because he was faithful. How was he faithful? Verse 6, uh, verse 10 of chapter 6 tells us he knelt down on his knees three times a day. So Daniel prayed three times a day and gave thanks before his God. Big G. So when the crisis came, we can learn from Daniel. When the crisis came, Daniel did not change anything about what he does. The Bible says that he prayed three times a day. That was his custom. So this was just not a one-time thing where the, 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 the governor showed up and they, they caught him praying at that one time. They knew his custom. They knew his custom. So he kept praying when the crisis came. But number two... When you behave how you believe, your actions and or your outcomes are, I love this, foreseeable, foreseeable, foreseeable. When you behave how you believe, you are faithful, that is diligent or steadfast. And when you behave how you believe, your actions and your outcomes are foreseeable, foreseeable. So... Daniel was so faithful. You got to catch this. Well, verse 11. These men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications. So they found him. But 16, verse 6, 16, Daniel 6 and 16 is so profound to me. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. That is profound. The king told Daniel before he threw him in the lion's den that his God would deliver him. Daniel was so faithful, so diligent, so steadfast that the people knew exactly where to find him and knew exactly what he would be doing. And what is most profound about this story is that the king himself realized and of course, the, later on in scripture, he acknowledges God and he really felt bad because he knew he had been tricked by his so-called advisors. But the king understood even before that Daniel 
was going to be delivered. And, and, and quite honestly, the, if you read more of the story, that the king was so, so bothered by this, he couldn't sleep that night. He really couldn't sleep that night. And, and, and he got up, and, and then he ran to where the, to the lion's den, and he was trying to check on Daniel. And this was even after he had uttered these words. So he was trying to, trying to check on Daniel. So the whole point of my message today is that Daniel provides us a great example of how we should behave how we beh believe, behave how we believe. And so you and I, my brothers and sisters, can use Daniel as an example such that we are mindful at all times that we put forth the perception that people know that we are believers in Jesus Christ. Everyone standing.